Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. It is Friday morning and a bunch of stuff happened led into last night's NBA draft. Uh, ben Gulker and I go over the Tony Snell trade, the Pistons selection of Sekou Dumbuya, and you get to hear our live reactions as Woj bombs the podcast. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Uh, please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what you all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Uh, returning is my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Laz, I'm doing good. Good to be back. Happy NBA draft day. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's draft day. It's draft night. We are recording this in, uh, in the middle of the NBA draft. The Pistons have not yet made their uh, selection at 30. And so uh, we're going to bring that to you live, but like six hours later, but it's fine. You'll, you'll, you'll live with it. So, uh, but Ben, yeah, first things first, I guess we should go in, in chronological order. I wanted to get your thoughts on the, uh, the John Lure trade. Well, what did you, what did you think of that? Oh man, I think it's a, it's a good trade. Um, you know, I put out on Twitter, one of my first reactions was, I don't think I've ever been this excited about a trade that is as minimal as this one, I guess. I mean, it's, it's not a huge trade in the sense that it's not a blockbuster. It's not a huge shakeup, but man, this was a, a really solid win for the Pistons. I think it's a, a marginal improvement. Um, and obviously we don't know the full extent of it yet. We don't know what the Pistons are going to do with the 30th pick uh, still 10, 15 minutes away from knowing that, but you know, obviously Tony Snell fits a need. He's a starting caliber player. We know he's contributed uh, solid minutes to playoff teams. We know he can shoot the basketball. Um, I think there's some maybe some questions about his defense, but you know at this point, getting a quality player and a draft pick for John Luer, who's played less than 500 minutes over the past two seasons, uh, one for 14 over his last three point attempts. Uh, this was this is a win. Uh, Luer was essentially dead money out of the rotation uh, and not really going to do anything in Detroit. And we pick up a guy who presumably is going to be starting as small forward, which has been a problem we have harped on for years on this podcast. So I'm excited about this one. It, it, you know, it's a marginal improvement. As I said, it's not going to make or break the team this season, but it definitely makes the Pistons better and definitely fits a significant need. No, I I 100% agree. And you use the key word there, like Lure was dead money. Like even even this season, a season in which uh, there was a desperate need for um, you know backup big men to to step up, um, there were times during the season where like Stanley Johnson was not playing well, and you you could envision a world in which John Lewis should have been inserted into the rotation, but it was you know very lightly considered by the coaching staff, 
because he he was just you know not maybe because of because of injury or because of whatever reason he was just never able to to make his mark and so um you know having 10 million dollars worth of uh non rotation minutes on your roster is is crippling having if you if you uh consider Tony Snell who's going to make 11 million dollars this season and 12 million dollars this season after if you consider Tony Snell, you know, a $7 million player, um, having only four A's, he, he's, so he's overpaid by 4 million. So that 4 million is dead money. Well, you know, 10 is still, you know, more than four. And, you know, yes, the, um, the contract for Snell runs a year longer than John Lures does. John Lure was set to expire after, after this season. Um, however, I don't, the the purpose of cap space is to sign is to sign free agents or to use in in trades and uh, i know there was a lot of excitement about a lot of the pistons uh money coming off the books uh next season but as we know like detroit is not necessarily a home for a lot of max free agents or anything like this or anything like that and so it was it was an open question as to what kind of free agent you would be able to sign with that cap space right and so getting in a player that is a is a guaranteed rotation spot is i think a a valid use of that cap space in in the meantime you know yeah that's absolutely correct i think yeah and and and, you know it's not just that lure was 10 million in dead money he was 10 million in dead money playing in the same position as your two max guys (laughs) so when you add 10 million more dollars to the already gargantuan amount that you're paying blake and dre from a roster management perspective, it just doesn't make any sense to have that much money tied up in throw those three guys. So it's not just 10 million. It's also 10 million who's, you know, even if John Lohr was playing the best basketball of his career, it, it's 15 to 18 minutes a night. It just doesn't make any sense to have him on the roster. No, that's fair. And, and Tony Smell, Tony Snell is going to play, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night and he'll be, he'll be capable, you know, of, of doing uh, a, perhaps starting of, of shouldering those minutes and he'll do exactly what the Pistons needed a wing to do, which is make open three pointers that's generated for them by Blake Griffin. I mean, yeah. And you know, the point you made about cap space is important because, okay, you can say maybe market value for a guy like Snell is mid-level exception or a couple million over that. Right. But not for the Pistons. I mean, the Pistons are going to have to overpay by more than $2 million over the MLE to get a guy like Snell. So you know, $12 million, okay, in a vacuum, sure, it's a little bit of an overpay, but the Pistons are probably going to go have to spend 9 to $10 million on the free agent market to get a player of his caliber anyway. So when you're capped out, those extra $2 million, to me, it's just not significant. Yeah. And so uh, the the other half of this trade is, of course, the, the 30th pick in the 2019 NBA draft that the Pistons also uh, acquired. Uh, I in In my wildest dreams, I always thought that the Pistons would be forced to attach a pick to John Luer in order to send him uh, out of the team, not, not receive one. So that was, that was mind boggling to me. But uh, the, that 30th pick is part of the reason why we're recording right now instead of I guess, a little bit earlier, but uh, that should transition us into the draft where with the 15th overall pick, the Detroit Pistons have selected, I'm going to say this right. Seku Dumbuya. Dumbuya. I hear, I hear the booyah is like, you're supposed to like mash that together. Um, and like, that's the way it's supposed to go. I I'd sincerely hope I didn't butcher that name, but I do think we will have reason to, uh, 
to say it a lot in, in the future and get uh, good practice at it because I'm, I'm super excited about, about this pick. I had a, uh, I had a little, uh, little live stream, a little periscope during the draft. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And so uh, people got to see my excite my initial excitement when I realized that a, he was, he was still on the board at, at, uh, at 15, which was not guaranteed. Um, you know, that was something that uh, I think the, uh, even the mock draft that Sean, uh, Sean Corp did for Detroit bad boys for SB nation in which we took Seku, like it didn't make much sense that he was still on the board. Um, and so, you know, having him, having the potential for him to be selected, like still be open and available was, was initially really exciting. And then like taking the swing, having uh, a front office that is willing to, uh, is not as willing to play it safe and is willing to take the swing and take a guy with his potential is what really, is what really excited me. Um, Sekou's young. He's still 18 years old, if you can believe that, but he's been a professional in France for the last two years, I believe. Um, he has the physical tools you look for in a wing. He is 6'9 with a 6'11 wingspan. Um, he's uh, He's got great athleticism, which is like the first thing that you'll notice when you watch highlights of him, as I'm sure a bunch of Pistons fans, me and uh, you, Ben included, uh, have been doing since the pick was made. Um, he's got jump out the gym athleticism, and uh, it's just it's so rare that the Pistons have have had a, a wing size wing with, with that type of athleticism who is, is that um, with that kind of potential, right? He's, he's defensively inclined. I think that's how, that's how he made his bones uh, on the, uh, the German team that he played on was, was on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, he's a, he's a, he's got anticipatory instincts with shot blocking. As far as that goes, um, the shot, the shooting is a work in progress, but you can see him uh, make open shots uh, in Germany. Um, the European three-point line, I think, is actually a little bit longer than the college line, not by much, but uh, it's not as long as the NBA line, but longer than the college line. And so uh, you can see him. It's, a, it's easy to envision a world in which he stretches his range out to NBA three-point land. Um, it's easy to envision a world in which you can use him as a, a small ball or a, a backup power forward right now, or as a small ball five in the playoffs, we've seen uh, teams continually move to smaller and smaller lineups in the playoffs. Um, it's easy to see the Pistons being able to, to downsize around him in time. But um, I, I think that Seku is a, a franchise altering talent. That is the phrase I used on the live stream. And I think it's, it's a correct one. He's a franchise uh, altering talent. And what that means is not that, you know, he's going to come in and be, an all-star right away or that he's going to come in and uh, immediately drop like 20 and 10, but he, he has the potential to do those type of things in time, which is, I think something you, you can't say of any of the other young players, the Pistons uh, have drafted uh, fairly recently. And so, you know, I, I've talked a bunch about this, Ben, uh, where, where's your head at on, on Seku? No, I think you've captured a lot of it. I mean, We've never seen him live, obviously, because we live in the United States. Uh, if anyone has seen him live, it'd be great to have you on the show, actually, because we're looking at YouTube highlights and we are looking at write-ups from scouts. Um, everything you're saying are the things I'm seeing. I think I'm I'm very intrigued by sort of the silky, smooth athleticism that you capture in some of those highlights. Um, I'm interested to see how his handle develops over time. Um, for the stat-oriented folks out there, 
So there's kind of two competing models on, on him that I've looked at tonight. First one's from Kevin Pelton of ESPN. He's got Seku in kind of his top, I think it's 10 or 12, kind of in his third tier of players. So that's obviously exciting. And I think um, that probably takes into account a lot of the upside that you're talking about. Arturo Galetti is the other guy I look at. Um, he is a little, his model, I should say, is a little less uh, happy about the Seku pick, but it's strictly because of his shooting. And I think when you're talking about an 18-year-old kid who's playing overseas, that may that may not be a really fair thing to knock him for. So, um, you know, the stats, we've got lots of problems because he's playing overseas. It, it doesn't necessarily translate well to the models that may have been built around uh, the NCAA or things like that. But certainly as a prospect, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, I think the question is how far away is he from contributing, right? And to me, um, independent of thinking about him as a prospect, the most interesting thing about this pick is what, if anything, does this tell us about where the Pistons are at in terms of their front office and where they sort of evaluate uh, the ceiling and the potential of the current roster, right? Because they're picking a guy who presumably is not going to come in this year and make a significant impact and maybe not even next year, right? He could be two to three years away. Uh, And interestingly, a team that um, just traded for Blake Griffin a year and a half ago, uh, made a pretty significant push to get to the playoffs this year, uh, fired Van Gundy and brought in a new coach. You know, a lot of those things seem to suggest we really want to win now. This pick um, sort of makes me pause and hesitate and reevaluate that. Um, You know, I I think there's a few different ways to look at this, and some folks on Twitter have some really good thoughts about it. Uh, Brady from DBB and... Um, Sean from DVB had a pretty level-headed approach, which was what um, amounts to the Pistons aren't going to have a whole lot of assets and flexibility over the next couple years. So you've got to take this risk for high upside wherever you can get it, especially when it doesn't cost you a whole lot of money. And I think that's certainly one way to look at it. Sort of the cynic in me wonders, though, if maybe the Pistons front office is more content to sort of hover around this 43 to 45 win roster and be patient rather than try to push all in around Blake Griffin in the next one to two years. I don't know if that's the right strategy. I don't know if that's the wrong strategy. And I also don't know if that is their strategy at all. Uh, But I think it's a, a little more cynical way of looking at it, but I think also an interesting one. You know, a team that just made the playoffs for the first time in a number of years, the second time in a decade, uh, just acquired a big superstar in Blake Griffin, goes and picks a prospect. That's a, that's a little bit unexpected, I think. Uh, so, so maybe fans are, are, like me, I'm one of them, kind of wondering, well, what does this say about the next year or the next two years for the franchise? I think that that conversation is definitely a conversation work, worth having because now that they do have this player on the roster, like they do have sort of competing timelines with, you know, with a bunch of young guys, right? With a Luke, Luke Kyrie, uh, Bruce, Svi, Thon to a lesser extent, and now um, you know these this pick and the pick they're going to make in in the coming moments, and the uh, another second round pick on top of that. It does sort of feel like there is a there's two Pistons teams, right? There's the established veteran starters, and then there's the the young uh, upstart core. Um, but what I what I'll say to your initial thought of um, what what is this front office plan? I think that. Uh, their plan was that Seku, you know, wouldn't be available, right? They they never yeah, they never envisioned true. him him being there, and so 
um, once once you have a guy with his with his potential available to you, um, you 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 reevaluate you know what you're what you're looking for and what your plan you know, might be, and then uh, I think you you take into account his potential and 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 you go for it, and so you know that that I think is is the thing they did they didn't prepare for this, and so I I don't want to um, you know imagine a world in which Ed Stefanski was playing like seventh dimensional chess with, with, with regards (laughs) to this, but, uh, but yeah. And so I'm very curious to see if Sekou plays at all in summer league. Um, I'm very curious to see uh, how, how quickly they're able to get him like acclimated to uh, the United States. Um, I'm very, I'm very curious to see like what, what Dwayne Casey kind of envisions his role being for this year, which is a little bit more of what, what you were talking about. Like, is he going to spend a lot of time in Grand Rapids, right? Like is, uh, depending on what the, the team does in free agency, like how many, how often are we, are we going to see this kid? If, if at all at the NBA level, you know, what, what value is there in having him develop more as a basketball player in the G league or, or having him more develop as a, as an NBA, as someone who's more familiar with the NBA lifestyle, you know, as the as the fourteenth guy on the bench uh, with the Pistons constantly, right? That that was sort of the the tension that the Pistons faced um, with with Henry Ellenson in uh, in his development, and as, as you well know, Ben, like that that didn't go so well. Yeah, and, and the other problem with Ellenson was he just he wasn't good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the right. other part of it, and he doesn't he doesn't hold a candle in terms of athleticism and upside. So let's be let's be totally fair. The other thing that's super interesting to me is the inevitable comparison to Siakam. Right and Casey's role in developing Siakam as a player, um, Casey's got some experience here, right? So th- this could really be in his wheelhouse um, for all of the factors you've just mentioned, right? Someone coming from another country, acclimating to the lifestyle, acclimating to all of those things. Um, you know, it's reassuring to know that we've got someone at the helm who's who's done this before and done it successfully. No, successful. and you're right. And as as I was reminded by uh, Shamik Mahudi. Um, uh, Shamik Mohile, I apologize, Sham. Um, you know the just call him Sham. The Pistons <laughs> also have another guy who helped shepherd another notable international players' development in Sean Sweeney and in Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? And so there, there's a level mm-hmm. of familiarity oh, yeah. with the the process that this takes. Um, that you know both the head coach and uh, coaches on the bench behind him have. And so that that if nothing else, having uh, that skill set like duplicated across coaches, that familiarity portends well for for his development long term. And so I also think you said Grand Rapids when I think you meant Detroit. Oh, the uh, the team will uh, still be in Grand Rapids next year. I think it is this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, I thought it was coming this fall. Well, they still got to build the arena downtown for them to play in, right? Well, you don't need an arena; you can play outside. <laughs> it's the G League. That's, that's fair. You might get more people that way. Just people, <laughs> people just walking by. People just walking by, right? No, exciting. I mean, I think this was you know two two players who have the potential to make an impact. Um, honestly, when you're talking about middle of the first round and end of the first round draft picks. Uh, and you're talking about not a whole lot of roster flexibility. Like to me, that's a win. Uh, the Pistons did, they made two quality decisions here without sacrificing anything long-term and marginal wins. Yes. Big improvements. No, uh, but solid decisions. And I think, um, you know, long-term this could really pay off if, uh, Seiko de- develops into the prospect that, uh, we think he could be. Yeah. I, w- I will say the, the last time I was this excited, about the about the Pistons taking a pick was Andre Drummond, who was also 
a very raw, very toolsy prospect yeah. that was taken uh, behind what he was projected to be taken and, and fell into the business laps. Now we can, you know, you can debate about how uh, Andre, you know, how well or how good Andre is of a player or how, um, how he has or hasn't exceeded or met or exceeded expectations for, for the Pistons and for that pick. But Andre definitely materially changed the uh, direction of this franchise. And I think Seku has the potential to do much the same as Andre um, in like the same time frame. Andre was impressive in his rookie year, but he wasn't ready until about like year two and a half, like three. Lawrence Frank, <laughs> Lawrence Frank wouldn't deploy Andre his rookie year, if you remember. God, I've blacked out the Lawrence Frank years and the John Kuster years. Like I, when I think about NBA coaches who coach the Pistons, like, I, I can't even recall those guys hardly. It's some rough times. Yeah. So so okay, we got some we got some breaking podcast stuff. Breaking podcast stuff with the thirtieth pick in the two thousand nineteen uh, NBA draft. The Detroit the Milwaukee Bucks have selected for the Detroit Pistons Kevin Porter Jr. the uh, the freshman guard from USC. Ben, your uh, okay. your thoughts on Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I don't have a ton. I mean, a lot of guys have him as the best or second best available right now. Um, I didn't watch a ton of him in college, so I don't know, Laz. Maybe this this should also be your <laughs> this should also be your segment because I have a feeling you know more about him than me. Right. So now. yeah, I wrote I wrote actually a piece up on him a couple of weeks back, and I was oh, yeah, not right, yeah. I was not a huge fan of him. Um, be I was not a huge fan of him because uh, so he's a he's a shooting guard. Um, he has the potential to play on the wing. Uh, he's a shot maker and a, and a shot taker. He, uh, he has a lot of advanced dribble combinations that he uses to create separation. Um, he can make shots from the mid range and, and from three, he, uh, he displays uh, decent mechanics as a spot up shooter, um, a little bit of defensive uh, potential and, and versatility. Um, he, I think his, it's more important that he develop a more consistent like mindset defensively rather than like his physical tools or anything like that. He has the physical tools to be uh, a, to be a pretty good defender the my issue with him was uh the shot creation was all from the mid-range or all from three-point land right he would he uh he lived on his step back uh, left-handed jumper which um which looks very pretty but you know if you're shooting that from 18 feet all the time is not consistently you know efficient offense um he would so hold up les real quick i think we just got woge bombed Uh oh what happened Cavs made a deal with the Pistons to target Porter. League sources tell ESPN. Oh, okay. Cavs are trading the thirty for the thirty pick. I don't see what the Pistons got out of this deal. Hmm. Okay. That is that's not surprising. Well, I I don't know if that's surprising or not, but I will see. We'll see. Uh, oh man, now I'm just like checking my phone, see what's going on. With, the good thing is we can delete all this from the podcast. Yeah, we can we can uh, cut a little bit okay, of this out. So, Woj, Woj has, yeah, he doesn't have anything else yet on it. Just that they made a deal to target Porter. The Cavs wanted Porter. That's all. The Cavs sent. I have Shams. Shams said the Cavs sent four second round picks and cash Holy to cow. Detroit for the thirtieth pick. Does it that say is, when they are? It does not say when they are. But uh, if you remember the sec- the Pistons second round pick uh, situation, they have the they have the forty fifth pick this year. They have the Lakers twenty twenty one second round pick. They have no 
or they have no 2020 pick, no 2022 pick, and no 2023 pick in the second round. So what this tells me is they didn't want they didn't want to be locked into a guaranteed salary for the first for whoever was left on the board at 30. Right? Because second right. rounders have guaranteed contracts in the same way the first rounders are. Yeah. Or and or it tells me that they just wanted to to restock, restock. their their bare cabinet of second round picks, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So given given the write up that you had about Kevin Porter Jr. and the things you just laid out about that writer right now, um, to me this this kind of move makes sense. What do you think it? How would you rate it? How would you evaluate that trade? Uh, I I'm curious. I was I was much higher. Uh, I wrote that piece without the knowledge that the Pistons had the 30th pick in the draft, sure. you know, just thinking they only had only had one selection. And I was saying he should not be that selection um, at 30. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is a much more uh, acceptable selection for Detroit um, at 30. His weaknesses as a as a driver, uh, as a free throw shooter, I believe he only shot uh, 40 or 52 percent from the line. Um, yeah. But uh, I think his weaknesses are much uh, easier to swallow with the 30th pick. But um, as a trade asset, as a as a player who is you know, never going to put on a Pistons uniform and is instead you know worth four four future second round picks, um, I think that's a pretty good haul, honestly. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, that's, remember that's John Lure, <laughs> right? You turned you turned John Lure into, into Tony Snell and four second round that's picks. Fun. I can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah, I I can also live with that. I can. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad we got real time uh, woge bombed like like the rest of us. That's what I get for trying to record this podcast without my phone uh, glued in my hand. Right. Those text message notifications. Yeah, that is that's really interesting, actually. So no, I I think that's good, and that uh, that speaks a little bit to the conversation we were having earlier about um, you know what's what's the long term plan under Ed Stefanski, and you know the acquisition of a bunch of future second round picks. Um, instead of a guy in, instead of any any rookie in the first round who could have come in and started you know playing right away, just kind of tell you that like this team is this team is committed to uh, building around Andre Blake and Reggie, but they are also committed to to the build right. They are committed to to building something out into the future that um, perhaps they they um, that uh, wasn't wasn't there before with with the second round picks especially i know they, they traded like two second round picks last draft to pick up bruce brown and Kyrie thomas and so you also have to imagine that you know there was nobody at 30 that they really liked enough to not trade for four second round picks mm-hmm. if that makes any sense and so and uh we've seen you know from the trades last year that stefanski is willing to to trade around in the second round to get uh, his type of guy um i know Kevin Porter Jr. was a divisive uh, player among Pistons fans. Uh, there was a there was a segment of the fan base that was really for him because of the potential that he shows as a as a shot creator and as a as a guy who could generate offense. But um, I don't know. I w- I wasn't super high on him, and so I'm I'm perfectly satisfied with four second round picks. But uh, time will tell whether or not that's the correct decision. I think that is this is uh, much less of a uh, point blank correct decision than the John Lure trade or the uh, selection of Seku, for example. Yeah, and I think interestingly, too, there's some significant holes yet to fill. And I think um, how the Pistons manage to fill those holes is probably going to color the way we think about trading this pick because we've got backup point guard situation to deal with. We've got backup big situation to deal with. I think there was probably some hope when the Pistons acquired the 30th that 
they may address one of those holes with with this draft pick, and they obviously did not. So maybe they'll do something in the second round to do that. Um, maybe not. But uh, otherwise, there's some there's still some pretty significant work to get done uh, over the course of the summer. Yeah. So uh, Vince Ellis has tweeted that the the four picks are in flux for potential moves. So we might see uh, even more trades before before the end of this uh, before the end of this night, which is uh, apparently going to be a long one. Uh, so Ben, I, I got to ask: Was there was there anyone in particular that you were you were looking at in the draft that you were interested in that uh, the Pistons did not take? So, um, oh, what Brandon Clark? Am I getting the name right? You are. Yeah, he's the guy that all the the stat models liked. That um, I did. Boston end up picking him up. I think it was no, no, no. They picked up Grant. Boston yeah, picked up Grant. They picked up so Grant Williams. Yeah, yeah. Those were the two guys who the models liked that the eye test had a, had projected to to fall a little bit, maybe into the twenties. So those are the two guys, and and there were some passionate Clark supporters on Twitter over the past week or two. Um, but as you guys know, I, I am not a draft junkie the way that I used to be over the last several years. But yeah, those are the two guys I think you know I'll be paying attention to. I'm always intrigued by the guys who the models like that slip into the late teens, early twenties, and then eventually into the second round. Um, it, it's just interesting for me as, as a guy who likes stats, um, what the eye test misses and what it gets right. And those are sort of interesting case studies uh, to, to, uh, to evaluate both of those things. Yeah. I know uh, Clark ended up in, in Memphis, I think. Yes, actually. he did. Yeah, that's right. After and- the, yeah, and so him and the front court of he and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is really interesting, just uh, defensively with the the length and uh, yeah, shot blocking acumen of JJJ and the the athleticism of Clark. Yeah, and boy, did they get younger in a hurry! Holy cow, Marcus Gasol's all of a sudden gone, and um, Conley's gone. Was it yesterday, the day before? And all of a sudden, significant draft picks today. Memphis, I don't. I mean, they're not maybe not interesting next year, but they've got. They've got some pretty interesting young players. No, I, I agree. So actually, you were. Uh, how, how did you feel about the Mike Conley trade? Was that that uh, to me that appeared to be a price too high for for the Pistons to pay? And I was glad oh, another gosh, team yeah. was willing to pay it. Oh, what'd gosh, you, yes. yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I um, I was never interested in Mike Conley. Um, not because I don't like him as a player, but because I, I really have no interest in having that much money tied up in two guys over thirty when your ceiling is like 45 to 47 wins, like that's just not a team I I'm interested in to be perfectly honest. I'd much rather have, you know, this team that's 43 to 45 wins, right. Assuming good health, um, but has some young prospects who you can root for and pull for and sort of hope surprise everybody and are ready a year sooner than you think. Right. Um, Mike Conley's a good player. That injury history scares me. His age scares me. And that contract is just, whew, I mean, imagine paying him and Blake all the money that we'd be paying them when they're two, 32, 33 years old. For me, uh, that's just not the route I wanted the team to go. How about you? Yeah, for me, it was just the the number of picks, right? The the, the Grizzlies got a, a past first-round pick. They got the Jazz's last first-round pick in Grayson Allen. They got the present first-round pick. They got the 23 pick in this year's draft. And they got a future pick. I think it'll be either in 2021 or 2022. But uh, for more, more or less, like three first round picks and salary for Mike Conley was was a bridge too too far for me. Um, especially now with the knowledge that the Pistons could could take a guy who would be such a part of their future, like a Seku at, at 15, and 
you know, having the potential to do um, to make moves like that in future drafts to have those uh, future like branches like cut off by by paying Mike Conley in thirty plus million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah, it's not that's not as appealing to me. No. And it, it just Utah is such a better scenario. I mean, they have the young guys who are already producing at a really high level who can benefit from a um, you know an old veteran and maybe Conley puts them into the next tier. I, I, I just don't think the Pistons really jump significantly. You know, maybe they're the sixth or the fifth seed instead of the eighth. And I, to me, that's just, that's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Conley is going to help Donovan Mitchell by being able to, to take the yeah. ball out of his hands a little bit. And yeah. so he doesn't have to uh, force everything as much. He's just, yeah. And Donovan's his own worst enemy sometimes with yeah. the shooting. So. Yeah. And, but, but Luke Kennard needs the ball in his hands more, right? Like Luke Kennard is such an efficient player and the Pistons need him to be a little bit more dynamic. And so having Mike Conley kind of take the ball out of his hands a little bit more is, is less, is less useful to the Pistons than it would be for, for the jazz, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, Blake Griffin needs the ball once in a while too. So. Yeah, there you, there you go. <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't planning on being around until pick forty-five. Um, whoever that pick is, and if if the Pistons even make that pick or, or trade it or whatever, um, that'll be something I think we can cover on on Sunday in a, in a future podcast. Um, it was is really good to talk to you again, man. Um, yeah, you too, buddy. It was, uh, it was also fun. Um, kind of tweet bombing your periscope so apologies <laughs> if i threw you off track with some of those jokes no no it was it was it was, it was a lot of fun to do the periscope and yeah. uh you know and maybe i'll some do some more live stuff in the future who knows like oh, that's like that stuff good is good yeah all right that's ben so nice you've been out of the loop too long uh you, you gotta let the people know where, where can they find you you can find me on Twitter occasionally. Um, you know, about a month from now, I'm hoping to welcome another little baby Galker into the world. Uh, baby boy is going to be joining the family here pretty soon. So probably a bit of radio silence followed by a whole bunch of baby pictures. Um, but we'll find some time to talk basketball in the middle of all that too. No, obviously you gotta, you gotta hold him in. Uh, what's the, what's the thing that you like strapped to your chest and like put the baby in? Oh yeah. Oh, I have one. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry. You got to put him in that and, uh, you know, make him watch the bad boys. So he gets it early. Yeah. Oh, and okay. Quick, quick kid story tonight. I went to turn on the TV during dinner because the draft about to start. And my daughter says, are you turning on bubble guppies? Which is a kid's show. I said, no, I'm not turning on bubble guppies. Turning on Daniel Tiger? No, I'm not turning on. Turn on basketball. And my heart melted because I was so excited. Yes. uh, She she knew I was turning on basketball. (laughs) It's not the first choice, but it's on the list. But I mean, those are her like two favorite shows in the world. So I was happy that with third place in that scenario. No, that is, that is great. <laughs> that is great. That melts my heart all the way. Yeah, it was, it's fun. It was good stuff. Yeah. And so, and as always, you can find me on Twitter, uh, childless. So no baby pictures, but uh, I guess the occasional live stream, maybe in the future uh, on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. This has been the Detroit bad boys podcast. And I think there's enough here for us to talk to you guys on Sunday. So we'll see you then. Hey, everyone. This is Laz. I'm coming in at the end real quick to uh, get the rest of the Pistons draft squared away. Uh, As we talked about earlier, the Pistons traded the number 30 pick in this year's draft to the Cleveland Cavaliers for four future second round picks in 2020, 2021, 2023, and 2024 Uh, they also received some cash from the cleveland cavaliers Uh, and then the pistons turned around and traded the 45th pick in yesterday's draft and the 2020 and 2021 picks 
uh, that they got from Cleveland for uh, Dervidis Servidis, Dervidis Servidis, um, a, a European shooter who is not expected to play at all for the team this year. Uh, we will analyze that in a little bit more depth on Sunday. Um, and then later, the Pistons traded the 2024 second round pick it received from Cleveland and uh, and some cash to New Orleans uh, to move up to to move into the 57th spot where they selected Jordan Bone, the point guard out of Tennessee. Um, we will also talk about that selection a little bit more on Sunday. But uh, for the whole of the Pistons trades, I just wanted all the all the notes, all the uh, all the acquisitions in one place. And uh, we will analyze Jordan Bone and hopefully pronouncing uh, Dervidas' name correctly uh, on Sunday. Yeah, see you guys then.